This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by Future Family, a new fertility financing company that helps you afford treatments with packages as low as $75 per month. Plans cover clinic fees, medications, storage, and a nurse concierge. Use offer code EGGCLUB to access exclusive discounts for Eggology Club listeners and visit futurefamily.com today. Your future will thank you. This is the Eggology Club podcast, episode 18, Egg Hunt. Welcome to the club, the Eggology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. You're invited to join us as we share empowering real life stories and change the conversation around family planning. Let's navigate this journey together. Make sure to follow us at eggologyclub.com. And now meet your new BFF and fertility host, Valerie Landis. Well, hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Egology Club. I'm so glad you're able to join us. I'm your host, Valerie Landis. I'm a fertility expert in the space and just want to help transfer all the information and knowledge that I have within fertility and pass it along to you. If this is the first time you've stumbled upon the Egology Club podcast, welcome. If you're an old-time listener, thanks for returning this week's episode is going to be a little different, but super impactful because I want to discuss all the things around donors, donor eggs, donor sperm. We have a lot on the show today that we're going to dive into. Now, I don't know if you've thought about egg donation, but it is something that we're technically doing for ourselves when we freeze our own eggs, but there's a whole host of people out there that actually donate their eggs for others, other couples, other individuals, people that need it in the space. It's kind of like sperm donation, only sperm donation is much easier than egg donation. Egg donation is literally the same thing as egg freezing, only instead of keeping your own eggs, you're giving them to some sort of clinic or maybe a bank of some kind. And so that's the topic we're going to dive into today. Just a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. Now, if you ever want to reach us, 978-EGG-CLUB is the great number to call, 978-344-2582. You can also reach us by email, eggologyclub at gmail.com, and all our social is at eggologyclub. Oh, and one more quick favor. If you all could leave a review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated. You see, when others leave reviews, especially in iTunes, it helps New people find the show. It coordinates our podcast to other podcasts as a similar podcast to tune into and just helps us grow organically. Then we can keep bringing you great discounts for everything related to fertility. It's pretty simple. If you just go into your app, scroll halfway down, you'll see how you can leave a star rating and a comment section. So as we unpack this big, complex topic of donors, I first want to tell you about this really neat website called the Donor Sibling Registry, DSR. It was started by this woman named Wendy Kramer. She initially built the site to help her own children that she conceived via donor find their half-siblings, put in the donor ID number, or then it would match you with other potential siblings. Wendy was even featured on Oprah, which was kind of cool, about her website and I think gained a lot of popularity because then donors and donor children can find each other's match. 
It's kind of like the Google for donor children to find their family members. I just want to point out that egg donation, sperm donation, even if you sign up to be an anonymous donor, in today's world with the 23andMe tests and facial recognition, it's really impossible to be 100% anonymous. If you are a donor, especially an egg donor, there's this community group called WeAreEggDonors.com. It was started by the founder, Raquel Cool, Sierra Polson, and Claire Burns. They were all egg donors and felt like they wanted a support group to go through this journey with them. That way they could reflect on their experiences at each of the clinics and provide good feedback for others that want to be donors. Once again, that's called WeAreEggDonors.com. They have a Facebook group and social media pages, so check them out. Now it's time to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. As you prepare your body for fertility treatments or pregnancy, finding the right prenatal regimen is essential. Theralogix provides the highest quality, independently certified fertility supplements. Theralogix guarantees proper dose accuracy, purity of raw ingredient, and freedom from contaminants. Thousands of healthcare providers recommend Theralogix every day. For more information, call 800-449-4447. That's 800-449-4447. Or visit Theralogix.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com to get your supplements today. Be sure to use the code EGG for preferred pricing. Well, thanks for sticking with us. As we dive back into the topic today about egg donation, there are a lot of regulations in the space of fertility when it comes to egg donation. So here's an interesting tidbit. Every single person that signs up to be a donor whether it be for egg donation or sperm donation, is put through a rigorous qualification program or process in order to qualify as a donor. So they do a genetic panel on them, they look at their DNA, they do an evaluation, a psych evaluation, and qualify them as a donor. This could be a great option and a way to conceive our families when other options aren't available. And so a lot of couples and women that choose to be single moms by choice are looking at this as an option. I got introduced to this amazing woman named Molly Hockey, and Molly started her own podcast called Sperm Cast, and she is on the quest to find a sperm donor. Maybe she's someone that she knows, and I want to just have you tune in to some of our discussion that we debated about her search and journey on this path. Hi, Molly. Nice to meet you. This has been so fun following your journey, first off, um, to meet someone else in the space that is doing something kind of, you know, edgy, little risque, putting your life out in the open. I think it's kind of cool. If you're at a party, how would you introduce yourself, Molly? I'm Molly Hockey. I'm 39, soon to be 40, very soon to be 40, single, looking for sperm. <laughs> but I might not say that first thing at a party. So you've been looking into sperm donating, obviously. You are interviewing people that you know. Have right. you, and, and you didn't go down the sperm donation route yet, like at a bank. 
Right. Haven't done that yet. It's not off the table. It's just for the sake of my podcast. Um, it's more at this point, just an exploration of my options and a discussion. And uh, I'm sort of looking for some personal growth as well as interviewing people. And it's, you know, obviously it's easier to start with people, you know, than people you've never met before. Cause how are you going to contact somebody you've never heard of? Um, but I am just now starting to get some emails from people who want to be sperm donors. Really? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're going to get solicited. Yes, I just got an email from somebody who sounds absolutely magical. It's so funny. <laughs> what is, uh, like, what would you put somebody in that category? What Who's magical? Like, Well, I read the email so quickly. I literally just read it about an hour ago, and I was, like, out walking. Um, he just sounds, like, so smart and kind and healthy and... Where does he live? He lives in my town. So I don't know what's going to happen. I... I don't know. We've never met. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going to have to check back in how that process works or what happens next with him. So Molly, you froze your eggs and now you're looking for sperm. Any thoughts on this or, you know, here's an idea what you could do, Molly. Do the egg freezing again, bank half of the eggs and then make the other half embryos just to see like how is the egg quality because the thing yeah. is with egg quality you can't tell until you inseminate yeah. them with sperm and then it's always the factor of the dna of the sperm how good is the sperm so you could so i need to use the best possible sperm ever to make sure that my 16 eggs are going to be taken care of i can't use any bunk sperm <laughs> yeah i would definitely say that you want to get all the factors taken out right? You want to like eliminate all those risk factors because then it gives you a better chance of your DNA turning into embryos Yeah, together. It's a combo factor, right? So you have to have good egg quality. And a lot of times we overlook sperm, but sperm really can have some factors in it that are not appealing for embryo development. And, uh, if you get the best one, you know, when they do ICSI, which is, um, in, in insemination, they mm-hmm. inject the sperm into the egg and then that helps fertilize it. But not yeah. all of those are going to turn. It's a numbers game. I always call it egg math. How many of those are going to turn into humans or potential life, right? Yeah. How often do they do ICSI rather than just putting sperm in an egg in a Petri dish? Well, it's up to you. Some people do a hundred percent ICSI. Some people look at it and they say, Oh, I want, you know, natural selection. So let's just because when you when you pick a sperm, you're essentially picking the DNA of that child and the sex yeah. of the child. So when they do like chromosomal testing or what they call P, um, PGS or PGD, they'll know is there any genetic deformities. You'll know what grade that embryo is. And you can kind of rank them and then be like, okay, what's my best chance for success? Let's put in that embryo first. Like yeah. Facts well, I think I'm going to go back to my fertility clinic and just and have my fertility tested to see if I could do it naturally or, you know, with um, a home insemination kit before I use the eggs just to try it. Yeah. <laughs> because so money. What, so what you'll want to do is the most important part is you'll want the sperm donation to be, make sure that they have their STD, STI tests because you don't want to inseminate yourself with sperm that may be infected because that would yeah. be a life longer problem. 
than that. So when you're when you're talking about known donors, which is what you're what most of the people that you're interviewing on your podcast yeah. on Spermcast are there, they would be under the known donor category. And here's a fact that you may not know, but most clinics will actually ask that your sperm donor, if you're doing IVF together and you're not together as a relationship, they'll ask you to have that that donor come in produce a sample and then six months later it's called being quarantined and then come back and then mm. you can do it with your eggs so that yeah. that's a delayed you know timing factor if you're not prepared for it that's something yeah. a lot of clinics will ask for because in do fact, they insist on it a lot of them do some will weave it but i mean just just anticipate that that's probably something that they'll say mm-hmm. or want but yeah i mean there's always exceptions to every rule, right? Yeah. I mean, I do plan on having everybody, uh, having blood work done for everybody, um, just also to, to find out they're a carrier of any genetic yeah, diseases. So there's, um, there's a test out there that can run a computer algorithm. They'll take your DNA as the female and the male DNA of a man, and they run a computer algorithm tons of different ways, and they create fictitious babies that you could potentially have. Uh-huh. It, it's a startup company. It's kind of new. But, and then they'll tell you what your percentage of risk is for, like you have cystic fibrosis, right? They'll tell you yeah. what your risk is that an embryo will have that. And then yeah. you'll know whether or not you want to match with that partner when you're talking about donations. Yeah. Either egg or sperm. It's kind of so new technology. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, you just reminded me of a question I have, actually. A friend of mine just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And, you know, she's going to be okay, hopefully. But she's going to need... Um, She's going to need a double mastectomy because she has um, BRCA. Oh, BRCA. She's going to need a double mastectomy and um, and possibly chemo and radiation. And she hasn't frozen her eggs. Um, have you done interviews with people about this before? Yeah, my yeah. last podcast was just about this. So, okay, so um, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll refer her to it. Yeah, so I work in breast cancer too. Okay. What they can do is they can have the surgery and then just not do any of the chemo and radiation until after she has egg free. Or she can do yeah. it now before surgery because it's a kind of an emotional thing too, to, especially when you're getting mastectomy and then yeah, there may be reconstruction. I don't know how young she is. Um, you know, like she's 36. The, oh, that's very young. Okay, yeah, and there should be cryopreservation, so there should be coverage that you can get because of chemo and radiation and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, everyone needs to check out your podcast. Yeah, every Tuesday until I can't anymore. <laughs> Although maybe I might take a little break. Maybe I'll have a season one and season two, you know, but um, I don't have any Should plans. Should play not- your song? Because it's so catchy. I've been singing it all day. <laughs> I love my song. Yeah? Here, I got it. And of course he's coming in the middle of time, but I'm not giving up until I see <laughs> They said we were from now. It's my favorite part. Sperm <laughs> guys. Pretty awesome. How do you do all of that? I have some talented friends pretty great awesome we should catch up again soon great talking to you i think i'll be in touch i am gonna have a lot of questions for you yeah well that's what i'm here for (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much okay let's talk soon Bye. bye well that was loads of fun talking to molly make sure to check out her podcast spermcast all right so let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll get right back to the show 
When you want to start a family, but traditional methods aren't an option, consider using Mosey. Mosey is the first syringe designed specifically to help you conceive at home. Endorsed by fertility experts, Mosey is worth trying before expensive and invasive options like IUI and IVF. To learn more about how Mosey has helped families conceive from all walks of life, visit moseybaby.com. That's M-O-S-I-E baby.com. And use code EGGCLUB for 10% off your order. We appreciate our sponsors so much. So please check out our rewards page on the website, eggologyclub.com. And you can actually benefit from all of these great vendors that we've partnered with this season. Now let's shift gears and talk about egg donation and what that means for people that are using donated eggs. Today's guest is Wendy Birch. Wendy Birch is a news anchor in LA and she turned the cameras on herself and decided to explore her fertility journey and be really open about her decision and choice of needing an egg donor after several rounds of IVF failed. Due to some of her age factors, she decided that she was going to go on the egg hunt and look for a potential match and become a mother. Wendy's story is a good one. Hello. Hi, Wendy. I've been excited to talk to you all day. <laughs> you must not have had a very, very exciting day then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really appreciate your willingness to tell your story because it's so important to start this conversation and you're a big part of that. So, Thank you. So how about we start by telling everybody who you are? Uh, my name is Wendy Birch. I'm a television journalist. I've been a TV journalist for a very long time, uh, but for the better part of the last decade or so, I've been working here in Los Angeles, and I'm a part of the KTLA Morning News team. So yes, a lot of people, in fact, probably millions, wake up with me every morning, so to speak. So I have followed my passion and was very career-driven, and that led me here. But what leads me to talking to you is very publicly, I sort of chronicled and reported on my own struggles with fertility because I tried to get pregnant in my 40s. I'm happy to say that I had a baby uh, just three weeks before I turned 46 years of age, a beautiful baby boy named Brady, uh, who is screaming in the other room right now. But that's okay. Grandma's there and the dog, so things should be fine. Uh, But I was very, very public about my struggles because I don't feel enough women talk about it, and so many women go through it. And I also, while living here in what we love to call la-la land, I felt... I don't know, sort of an anger or an injustice that there were so many celebrities that we women admire and we look up to who would sit there on the cover of the magazine smiling with their two babies and you'd read the article and there would never even be a mention about in vitro fertilization or donor eggs or freezing their eggs, nothing. And I thought that was such a disservice to so many of us who, you know, just believed that they just sort of fell pregnant. So I decided to come out and be very honest and very open with my own struggles And I ended up making just a whole world of friends and had the most amazing support in the world. And I wanted to speak up, so I hope others will do the same. You touched on a really great point. It is kind of misleading when you see celebrities at 40 or even Janet Jackson just came out that she's pregnant. She'll be 50, yes. Yes, she's 50. Speaking of that, I'm actually writing an entry for the Huffington Post. I write for them on occasion. I think you picked up some of my stories. It's an open letter to uh, Janet, Miss Jackson, if you're pregnant. Because she is in a perfect position right now to come up and say, hey, I froze my eggs or I'm using a donor egg. There is no shame in it. And I think, and this is my soapbox, 
there is only shame in something when you keep it a secret. There is no reason to keep this a secret anymore. We are in the age of modern family. You know, we are in the age where people adopt, people have surrogates, um, you know, same-sex couples uh, go out of their way to, to find the great donors to do whatever. There's older women having babies. And, and I have to say, too, you know, I didn't just one day wake up and say, oh, my gosh, this is great. I'm going to use a donor egg, and that's how it's going to work. I tried really hard for a number of years to use my own genetics, my own egg, and and I was just in the belief that all I needed was that one good egg. And it's true. All you need is that one good egg. But finding that one good egg <laughs> is challenging. And I didn't start trying to have a baby until I was uh, 40, 41. So my FSH levels were good. They weren't great, but they were good. And I had to believe that there was still one good egg inside of me. And you know what? There still may be. But finding it, well, that is one heck of an egg hunt. Mm-hmm. And I certainly just ran out of the time. And the patients and the money to keep doing rounds and rounds and rounds in vitro. So when they brought up the idea about an egg donor, what was your first reaction? Absolutely not. I was going to do this all on my own. And I'll back up too because I, as a child, was adopted. So I was looking for that genetic connection. In my mind, it was important for me to have a child so I could heal. I don't know quite what the word was, but I wanted to have something that was a mini me. I wanted to have that, you know, little specimen of me running around. And I think a lot of adopted uh, children probably feel the same way. They want, they want some sort of like genetic connection to someone. And I certainly wanted that. So I was trying that. And, and like many, you know, look, I didn't, I didn't look for it. I was healthy. I never really drank. I didn't do drugs. I mean, there were all these things that I thought for sure my eggs are younger than everyone else's eggs. At least that was the belief in my mind. But that is the great injustice of this world. We as women have so many amazing opportunities now, opportunities that our mothers didn't have, that our grandmothers didn't even dream of. But the reality is our bodies are still the same mechanism. They're the same machine that they were in the 1800s and the 1700s. The best time to have a baby is when you're a teenager, when you're 21. That's when your eggs are the healthiest. And yet we then have all these opportunities. So we delay, we put it off. 20 turns into 30 and 30 turned into 40. I still was married, but yet I wanted to have a baby. And I knew I wanted to have a baby. So back to your original question, no. When I first started this, a donor egg was out of the question. But I think for most people, the road of fertility is a journey. And where you start and where you end up are two very, very different places. So for me, after countless of cycles, and you know, I did Clomed month after month after month because, and I'm speaking in, in terms that I'm assuming your audience will understand, you know, Clomed, of course, is a fertility drug that's very common and very popular, and I responded very well on it. Month after month for years on Clomed. I probably did Clomed for about two and a half, three years, nearly every month. And I'd have maybe five, maybe six follicles, and I'd go through the ultrasounds. I mean, I was, when I say I was a regular at the fertility clinic, <laughs> I mean, ballet guy knew my name. You know, I mean, I was, I was there regularly. Um, I got to the point where I realized um, it was going to be my Hail Mary, and what did I want my Hail Mary to be? And so I put on my reporter hat, and I looked at the facts, and that's when I decided to use a donor egg. Wow, that really came full circle for you. And then I decided I was turning 45. I wanted to have a big, big birthday celebration, and I did. I, I threw uh, myself a quinceanera, a quinceanera trace, and it was that's a whole other Skype conversation. So I had like 150 people, and we were wearing big dresses, and we had tequila. And it was just it was the greatest birthday party ever. It was so much fun. 
after coming off of that, I thought to myself, you know, my life could be, it's a great life. I have tons of friends and I have a great career and, you know, I'm in a relationship and, and it's a good life. You know, I can do lots of things and I have lots of opportunities, but I decided that's still what I knew I really, really wanted. And I didn't want to have this not be a part of my life is that I wanted to be a mother. So I decided right after I turned 45 that I would do what I call my hangout memory, that I would do one more round of something. You know, we were past the point where it was just, let's just go have sex. There was going to have to be some sort of medical intervention involved. So I had gone through failed rounds of in vitro. I'd gone through countless failed rounds and cycles of COVID. So I looked at the statistics of actually going through one more round of in vitro fertilization at 45 years of age. The, these are cold hard facts. This is where I put my reporter hat back on. I had a 2 to 3% chance of getting pregnant. That's with in vitro. That's with everything. Using my own eggs at the age of 45. If I got pregnant on that very, very slim chance, I still had a 50% chance of miscarrying because we're talking about 45-year-old eggs. They're not great eggs. They're not really genetically sound anymore. If I even made it past that danger zone of miscarriage, I had a 1 in 30 chance that my child, my genetic child, would have some sort of Down syndrome or would likely be on the autistic spectrum. Those are frightening statistics. Look at the statistics if I was to use a donor egg, a healthy, viable donor egg that was already screened and already tested and ready to go and young. All of a sudden, those percentages went up from 2 to 3% to basically 60%. But we all know the success rates now. It was really like 70%. And my chances of miscarriage, no more than the average 20-year-old. Because your miscarriage rates are based on the age of your eggs, not the age of the person. And I had been tested a million times. It wasn't as if I had any sort of known difficulties for carrying a healthy pregnancy. So I looked at that and I thought, if I'm going to do a Hail Mary, I need to put everything in place that's going to make this the most successful pregnancy and to make this a healthy child. Because as badly as I wanted to be a mother, I wanted to be a mother of a healthy child. Mm -hmm. That's not saying anything disparaging to those amazing women that have children with special needs, but I wanted a healthy child. So I had still struggled a little bit. I remember I talked to my girlfriends about the donor egg and, you know, one of my girlfriends said, well, you know, the child might not look like you. And then I looked at her child that looked exactly like her husband. <laughs> so, you know, that's the irony. I could have gone through all of this. I could have gotten pregnant, you know, with my own egg. And then the kid could have looked just like his father or her father instead of me. I'm like, it's still a crapshoot, even at that point. What I was able to do was actually buy a lot. And when I say lot, I don't mean I got a whole lot of eggs. I got a lot of eggs, of frozen eggs. Uh, I got six of them. Now, this was also a very fast and efficient way of going through this because I didn't have to go and actually screen and find the egg donor, wait for the baby to, or wait for the woman's cycle to sync up. I mean, that process can really go on for like the better part of a year. This is a process where you basically go online, you look at the profiles, you pick one, and a couple of weeks later, the eggs are sent like via FedEx to your fertility clinic and you're having a baby. So I went online, you go through and you look at profiles. So I thought, well, let's start at the beginning. Um, let's hit the Caucasian box because let's be honest, I'm white. <laughs> My partner was white, so let's start there. And then I'm tall. You can't tell in this Skype frame, but I'm almost 5'9". My partner, uh, my baby's father, is six foot five. So I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to genetically engineer a child, be a supermodel or a super athlete, I mean, if we're going to go there, let's look for height. So I went down, and the first profile I came across was this girl who was 21 years of age at the time that she froze her eggs. She was 5 feet 11 inches tall. So I said, well, let's take a look at this. 
So I went on and I took a look at her profile. And again, I was still looking for the sign. And it's a pretty generic profile at the beginning. You know, what are your likes? What are your interests? What is your height? What is your weight? And then it said, what What are you studying? Because all of their donors that they use through this service are all, you know, college students. And she was studying to be a broadcast journalist. There was my sign. Yep. There was my sign. There was my sign. I even got, if I, if I needed more, I went on. At the time, I was also, aside from reporting, I was running a nonprofit foundation, which I had founded, uh, called the Good News Foundation. And I, I looked down, and one of her most ambitions was to one day run a nonprofit organization. So there was, yet again, another sign. So I didn't look at another profile. I only looked at one profile. That's all I needed. And what I really did love about the service that I went with is, of course, I'll never meet her. I'll never know her. You know, that wasn't a part of the bargain on her and or on my end. But what the service does is they give you a photo of the egg donor as a child. So you can see what they look like as a child. And I love that because I thought about it. I was like, well, if I was an egg donor, I'd have to like do disclaimers. I'm like, this is not my hair color. This is not my nose. And like, there's a lot of things that have changed. But I wanted to see what she looked like as a child. And there's a very, very sweet resemblance between her photo as a child, about two and a half, and my photo. And, and that, was, that was enough for me. When the eggs arrived, as I told you, I bought six eggs. Um, there was another egg. There was one more. There was seven. Now, I don't know if that's because maybe it was the end of that lot and they didn't want just one egg to go to waste, but I call that lucky number seven because we got seven of those eggs. They all fertilized. They all arrived, like I said, via FedEx in a little <laughs> container where dry ice was coming up. It's everything that you expect. Um, so they came and, and all of them fertilized, all seven. But as you know, if you've been in fertility and if you've gone through in vitro, that doesn't mean that all seven are going to be viable for pregnancy. So as the AIDS went on, seven turned into five, five turned into three. And by the time we got to the point where we were going to implant those eggs, I had one. I had one egg that was perfect. And when I say egg, one embryo, one embryo that was perfect. I think number seven came through. Number seven was a perfect embryo. So I, I spoke to my doctors because this was now a single egg transfer. There were going to be no other chances for this donor. There was going to be nothing else left on ice, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I said to them, I go, what are the chances here? I really want to know. And they said that they grade embryos. Many people don't know that. They give them quality grades. This was this was an A-grade embryo. I said, well, what is the average for people get pregnant? They go, pretty much the average is a C. Likely you were a C-grade embryo. C is good enough to, to make it to a pregnancy, but you have an A. So I had I had all the confidence in the world. And 10 days later, I did the blood test, and I was pregnant. And I had a pretty much a picture-perfect pregnancy. I mean, carrying a baby at an older age isn't the problem. The problem always has to do – well, I don't want to say always because there are some people with complications. But, you know, most of the time, I think 9 out of 10 times, the problem – with women carrying children past 40 is the quality of the eggs. The, the quality is bad, and that leads to miscarriages. But I had a perfect egg, and I had a near-perfect pregnancy. I say near-perfect because at the end, I had pneumonia, I had yeah. that C-section, you know, so yeah. it wasn't without its drama in the last moments. But that would have would have and could have happened to anyone. Just had to, you know, it's a situation with mine. So that's my story. I looked for the signs, and I shared that story. We actually had... Uh, TV cameras, not rolling during everything, but there when I heard the heartbeat, and mm -hmm. there when the doctors confirmed my pregnancy, and there when I took the blood test. 
So, and I shared that with our viewers. I went on set and um, it was, it was really, it's interesting the connection I have with television viewers here in Los Angeles. You know, people that clearly I don't know personally come up to me in the mall, they come up to me, you know, on the frozen food aisle, ironically, and they talk about their stories and they share their stories with me. And, and all of them talk to me about how grateful they are that I started talking about that. I've even received Facebook messages from people that say, thank you for telling your story because you did. My daughter went and froze her eggs. Mm. And those are the sort of stories that I feel so empowered because as a journalist, I have done thousands of stories, but I don't think I've done any one story that's been more impactful than the story I did on myself because that changes and is changing lives. Did you ever hesitate about sharing your own story? Because that could be very a vulnerable place. I think it was organic for me. You know, I also think that because, let's just say I wasn't a young reporter, I, I sort of kind of came into my own. I kind of knew who I was. And I recognized the platform and the, the voice that I have. And we talk about it on the air. We, you know, have a part of, be a part of the dialogue. I thought it would be disingenuous for me to be pregnant at 43 or 44 or 45 and be like, hey, look at me, I'm pregnant. Don't wait this long. Don't spend or have to spend you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I actually quit counting at 50000 when it came to how much I spent to get pregnant. I can't, I stopped. I'm like, I cannot count anymore. I don't want women to be like me. I don't want them to have to go through those struggles or those uncertainties. And even though I have a great story involving a donor egg, I don't want women to have to do that. I want women to freeze their eggs. When you graduate from college, if you are career driven, if you have an ambition to work hard and you don't know where life is going to take you, but you want to take advantage of all those opportunities, you know what? Don't get a Rolex from your family. Don't, don't get a new car. Tell them to give you the money to go freeze the eggs. And to single women or professional women, that's what I'm talking to the most, to say that you don't have the money, you do have the money. Those money priorities. You spend on and you spend it on vacations and you spend mm -hmm. it on nice apartments and that BMW. I know because that was me. I'm saying now invest in your future. Spend the really it's it's fifteen thousand dollars. You might now be able to maybe do it for around twelve or thirteen, but I always say fifteen because I know it's really not over that. Freeze your eggs when you're in your twenties. And if you let that time slip by, don't worry, but freeze them before you turn thirty-five. And then all of a sudden you are open to a whole other world of possibilities. And I also believe this, as a single woman, you will make better choices of who your partner will be because you won't feel desperate. You won't feel like you have to make a relationship work because you have to have a baby. Um, because I think that's what I did. I, I was like, I, I had to make that relationship that I was in work. Um, subsequently, it didn't work. We ended up breaking up while I was pregnant. We are now co-parenting. I mean, maybe that's another Skype conversation. But had I had my eggs frozen, I, I wonder if I would have had a little bit more, well, I would have, I know I would have felt like I had more time on my hands to make the decisions to make good choices for lasting relationships because that ultimately is what you want. I mean, we all want it. I mean, mm -hmm. you make it work however the life is and whatever cards you're dealt, but let's be honest, we all want the handsome husband and the stable home life. And, and I think, you know, it is possible. I do believe that you can have it all. You just sometimes can't have it all at the same time. So you have to, you have to schedule it. Yeah. Well, you, you, have to, you have to plan for it. You are definitely speaking to the choir. I can't thank you enough for a number of statements you've said. That's what I've been trying to preach to all my girlfriends for a long time. So, uh, you're, you've got it down. You understand the drill and, when they say that um, 
I preached it from the street corners. I literally preached it from the preached it from the street corners. There was a time not too long ago when I was standing. It was actually a homicide investigation, and you know, as as we are as reporters, there will be multiple reporters from different stations standing around. And so there was like a thirty something from Channel Two, and there was a thirty something from Channel Four, and we were talking, and they knew about my story, and they were asking me, and I'm like, "Have you frozen your eggs?" Have you frozen your eggs? You need to freeze your eggs. I'm handing out business cards of my doctor and my fertility clinic. I mean, I literally am on street quarters. I want to stand up and say, do this. You know, we all believe in insurance policies. We have homeowners insurance. We have car insurance policies. We have health insurance. I'm saying, give yourself pregnancy insurance because that's what we're talking about. And egg freezing now, as you know, is no longer considered experimental. When it was first introduced to me, it was. The odds were really, well, they weren't great. They were like 25%. They kind of hadn't figured out the vitrification process. They hadn't quite figured out how to freeze an egg because eggs are a lot fra more fragile than embryos. But let me tell you, science has caught up with us. The FDA says this is no longer experimental. This is real science. They can take your eggs, they can freeze that moment in time, and when you're ready to have that baby, you have the eggs of uh, however you old were when you froze them. You can them. be I your mean, own egg donor. Eggs. Right, you could be your own egg donor. <laughs> exactly. Be your own egg donor. That's what you need to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I just can't thank you enough for being so open and talking about your story because it. this is exactly what... I'm trying to encourage our readers and listeners to, to discuss and have this open dialogue because um, when you do take advantage of it and you're younger, you not only save all the money that you would spend when you're older trying to get pregnant and going through that whole process like you did, but then you can biologically have your own child and it's the best of both worlds. It, it totally is. To my egg donor, and I had written an open letter that was published on the Huffington Post, but you know, wherever she is, it's the greatest gift from someone that I never knew and will never know. And my job now is to love Brady enough for all of us. And wherever she is, I hope she's happy. I hope she's healthy. And I hope she froze some of her own eggs as well. Thank you so much for an awesome story and a happy ending. It's all worth it. Well, bye, Brady. Bye, Wendy. Thanks for talking. Bye. Well, hope you enjoyed our talk with Wendy Birch. She's incredible. I can't thank her enough for her time talking to us. Great example of how egg donation can look and how it could be another path to parenthood. All right, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Prevent UTIs from happening in the first place with Eucora's Pink Lemonade. Just mix a pack of Eucora with a glass of water and drink it when you are at risk of developing a UTI. It gives your body defenses it needs to flush out bacteria. Eucora's ingredients are proven to reduce UTI incidence by more than 75%. Plus, it tastes great and it's easy to use. Eggology Club listeners can get 20% off their first order with discount code EGGCLUB. Go to Eucora.com, U-Q-O-R-A.com, and give it a try because life is too short for another UTI. As always, thanks to our sponsors. Well, it's time now for the Egg Club shout-out. This week's Egg Club shout-out goes to Daily Dunham. He's known as the 17andMe sperm donor. Daley Dunham is a UC Berkeley grad who, during college, he donated his sperm to the local bank and made some extra cash. Well, his donations helped father over 17 different families. It's kind of like the movie with Vince Vaughn. 
The Canadian version is called Starbuck. And then the U.S. version that was just remade in 2013 is called The Delivery Man. So I'll have on our show notes all the details about Daly and all of the children that he's fathered. What's neat about their story is that they actually went on vacation with all their biological half-siblings, took a trip to Mexico. You can check that out on our website. So real quick, just to go through how you can reach us, eggologyclub at gmail.com is our email. Our phone number is 978-EGG-CLUB, phone number 978-344-2582. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have a really great egg freezing story that you want to tell us about, we'd love to hear it. And you could even end up on the show. We'd love to take your questions and all of those details. Now, just want to tell you about a couple of surveys that are happening. There are are some donor surveys that are being conducted by the San Francisco State University and the Generations Ahead group. I'll have them on the show notes if you are an egg donor and want to provide a little bit of feedback from your experience. I know that this survey would really appreciate if you would help contribute. And then if you're a parent from an egg donor or a sperm donor child, there's actually a really great way you can tell your child about their origin story and their family story. A great book by Julie Marie is called Happy Together. It's about an egg donating story. And you can find all their social media and website at happytogetherchildrensbook.com. And then all of our social is at Happy Together Children's Book. Another book, very similar, that's actually custom made, is called The Gift of Life by Carmen Martez Jover. All of that will be on our show notes. And make sure to follow us online. Until next time, Valerie out. You've been listening to episode 18 of the Eggology Club podcast, Egg Hunt. In the next episode, we will explore the topic of secondary infertility and hear from author Jen Noonan, who wrote the book in due time to explain how she survived infertility challenges. Today's episode of Eggology Club was hosted by Valerie Landis, with a special thanks to our guest. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. The theme music is by John Rosso. Cover artwork and logo by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva, a vino diva. Vino diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva. Available now with Amazon Prime.